Hello everybody. As I'm sure you are aware, this week was Holocaust Memorial Day, marking the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. To mark the event, I was in London with Eva Clark, one of the miracle babies from my book Born Survivors, for the biggest commemoration in the UK. In the company of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, the Prime Minister, the Chief Rabbi, the Archbishop of Canterbury and leaders of all faiths, survivors gave testimonies and there was the most moving music. The BBC anchorman Hugh Edwards presided and there was footage from Auschwitz and Bosnia and witnesses from a British liberator and from Roma, gays and Jews. It was an incredible service and one I shall never forget. To mark the occasion, I posted on social media about all that I had seen there and I also posted the opening page from my book Born Survivors which was published in 2015 and has now been released in 22 countries and translated into 16 languages. Here are the opening few pages read by me for you now. Sind Sie schwanger, fescher Frau? Are you pregnant, pretty woman? The question directed at Priska Lowenbeinova was accompanied by a smile as her SS inquisitor stood, legs apart, looking her up and down with forensic fascination. Dr Joseph Mengele had halted in front of the 28-year-old Slovak teacher as she stood naked and shivering with embarrassment on an open parade ground within hours of arriving at Auschwitz II Birkenau. It was October 1944. Priska, at just under five feet tall, looked younger than her years. She was flanked by approximately 500 other naked women, few of whom knew each other. All Jewish, they were as stupefied as she was after being transported to the concentration camp in Nazi-occupied Poland from homes or ghettos across Europe packed 60 at a time into sealed freight wagons of trains up to 55 cars long. From the moment they emerged gasping for air onto the notorious railway ramp in the heart of the Nazis' most efficient extermination complex, they'd been assailed on all sides by shouts of Raus! Get out! or Schnell, Judenschwein! Quick, Jewish pigs! In confusion and commotion, the tide of humanity was shepherded by expressionless prisoner functionaries in filthy striped uniforms who jostled them across rough ground as SS officers stood in immaculate uniforms, their attack dogs straining on their leashes. There was no time to look for loved ones as men were swiftly separated from women and children pushed into a line with the sick and the elderly. Anyone too weak to stand or whose limbs were stiff from being squashed into an airless wagon for days, was prodded with rifles or beaten with whips. Heartbreaking cries of, My children! My babies! hung ominously in the dank air. Up ahead of the long columns of dispossessed sat two low red-brick buildings, each with an immense chimney spewing oily black smoke into a leaden sky. The grey atmosphere was thick with a putrid, cloying smell that assaulted the nostrils and caught at the back of the throat. 
severed from friends and families, scores of young women from their teens to their fifties were funnelled into a narrow corridor of electrified fencing like that which surrounded the vast camp. Shocked into silence, they stumbled over each other as they were driven past the chimneys and along the lip of several deep ponds until they reached a large, single-storey reception building, the sauna, or bathhouse, hidden among birch trees. There they were unceremoniously inducted into the life of a concentration camp haftling or inmate, a process that began with them being forced to relinquish any last possessions and divest themselves of all their clothing. Without a common tongue, they protested in a clamour of languages, but were beaten or intimidated into compliance by SS guards with rifles. Driven naked down a wide passageway to a large chamber, almost all of these mothers, daughters, wives and sisters were then roughly clipped of virtually every hair on their bodies by male and female prisoners. As German guards leered. Barely recognisable to each other, after the electric razors had done their work, they were marched, five abreast, outside to the roll-call area where they waited barefoot in cold, wet clay for over an hour before facing their second selection by the man who'd later become known as the Angel of Death. Dr Mengele, impeccably dressed in his tight-fitting grey-green uniform, with its shiny chevrons and silver skulls, held in his hands a pale, a pair of pale kid leather gauntlets with oversized cuffs. His brown hair slicked into position, he casually flipped his gloves left and right as he strolled up and down the lines to inspect each new prisoner and, more specifically, to ask if they were expecting a child. When it was her turn... Prisca had only a few seconds to decide how to respond to the smiling officer with the gap between his front teeth. She didn't hesitate. Shaking her head quickly, she replied to his question in German, Nein. By then two months pregnant with her longed-for child, by her husband Tibor, who she hoped was somewhere else in the camp, she had no idea if telling the truth might save her or condemn her and her child to an unknown fate, but she knew she was in the presence of danger. With one arm shielding her arms, her breasts, while another covered what was left of her pubic hair, she prayed Mengele would accept her blunt denial. The SS officer, with the suave looks, paused for a second to stare into the face of the young Fesher Frau before moving on. Three women further along he roughly squeezed the breast of a woman who recoiled. When a few drops of breast milk betrayed that she was at least sixteen weeks pregnant, she was, at a leftward flick of his gauntlet, yanked from the line and shoved into a corner of the parade ground to join a shivering cluster of expectant mothers. None of these wide-eyed women knew then that one direction meant life, while the other could mean something very different. The fate of those who were chosen that day by Mengele remains unknown.